Hey everyone, it's Kurt and welcome to the Redeem Midweek Podcast. I know it's been a while, but Liz and I are back after a busy summer. So we are hoping to do a couple of these podcasts each month moving forward. And the reason we do this podcast, which we've absolutely loved, is to interview people in our lives that not only inspire us, but also give us practical advice on how to grow deeper in our faith. So this week, I'm excited to have a friend of mine, Kari Patterson, on the podcast. Kari is married to a friend of mine, Jeff, who is a pastor at Renew Church in Oregon City, Oregon. That's just outside of Portland. She's a mother, a blogger, a writer, a speaker, and she actually just launched a podcast. So make sure to check her out. Her family has been an inspiration for, to me over the last couple of years, and I really think that you will be encouraged by this episode. She talks about how to experience God in the ordinary things in life. She gives advice for not just surviving, but thriving in this season. And she gives some practical things that she does to live an extraordinary life. So we'll go right to this interview. Kari, thanks for joining us for the Redeem Midweek Podcast. Glad to be here. Thank you. So the first question, a real easy one. Tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about your wonderful family. Okay. Well, we live down in Oregon, so we're neighbors to your south. Uh, to your south. And outside Portland, we planted a church called Renew Church um, eight years ago, which is funny to me because I still call it a church plant, but at some point you got to just, it's not a church anymore. It's just a church. Um, but so that was eight years ago. And, um, we have three children, one more due in just a few weeks. Uh, our son is almost 14. Our daughter is 12 and a half. And then we have a little two-year-old and then this little one. And, um, I, I homeschool them. So I'm home with them. And like I said, my husband, Jeff, is a pastor full-time, thankfully. I'm very grateful he gets to do that full-time. And um, over the years, I used to, in our old life that we all used to have, <laughs> I used to travel and speak at uh, conferences, women's retreats, things like that. Uh, I'm actually intensely introverted, so it's God's sense of humor that he sends me out amongst crowds. <laughs> um outside my comfort zone. But so I used to do that for about 12 years. And then, you know, COVID's had all that on pause. So I am home and um, probably doing the same things all of you are doing. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so that's a little bit about we live out in the woods. And we've got chickens and messes everywhere. I don't know. Yeah, that's a little bit about us. Yeah. That's awesome. What kinds of things did you used to speak on? So uh, I'll, I'll talk some about it together. Okay. My passion since, really since graduating college in 2001, has been the sacred mundane. And that is my, I would say, overarching passion. And that is just helping people, men and women, interact and relate with God in the ordinary details of life. Through that, I, I, love, I, I, I love the scriptures. Yeah. So... I, my passion, I mean, that's how I got into speaking was just that someone said, would you come teach a Bible study and we'll call it a conference. And I was like, Oh, I don't know about a conference, but I love the Bible. So, um, basically over the years, um, been just doing different studies through 
first Peter through first John through lots of different passages, lots of Philippians. Cause I feel like God is always bringing me back to humility. <laughs> um, that seems to be a recurring theme that I need to <laughs> go back to a lot. Um, so yeah, lots of different, lots of different topics, but it does seem like the mundane humility, loving our enemies, mm. that sort yeah. of stuff. Really like, the kind of stuff I hate to even say, cause it's like, <laughs> I've got to do it. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's really applicable right now with all of that. Yeah. <laughs> that's for yeah. sure. So that's one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on was because of this passion and that you've also done something about your passion, written this book, but before we get into your book, what is some, what are some of the things that, that you guys have found helpful during this, with your, you and your family during this quarantine time, like yeah. finding communion with God? Yeah. Great question. I, it's, it's interesting that, you know, statistically, and I, and I don't, I don't know exactly why this is, but statistics are showing that believers are reading their Bibles less during this season. And, and that is, is, it's, troubling, honestly. And I don't know exactly why, because on the one hand, it seems like, well, we, ha we have more time at home, you know, really it, a lot, of, a lot of people do, but it is interesting without that ongoing accountability and community of a Bible study or even just regular church attendance. I think it is really easy to kind of let that go. Um, and I think the thing for me again, and I, I feel like I, I always sound a little bit like a broken record because I'm like, if you hear me speak 20 times, you'll hear me say the exact same thing 20 times. Yeah. Um, but it's just that, you know, when I was 18, I grew up as a, as in a Christian family. I have a wonderful family, uh, but I had never read the Bible ever, never had a regular habit of that. I had never heard of quiet time. <laughs> I'd never heard of reading your Bible. I mean, I just... I just somehow missed that whole memo about the scriptures. Well, sort of um, read to us, right? What's that? We'll yeah, sort of read to us. Yeah, and we, you know, we went to we went to church, and and you know, I would have said, but I just I I literally never read the Bible on my own. Um, and I was I was eighteen, a freshman in college, and I remember reading this uh, book by Anne Ortland precious saint who is now in glory. Um, and she made this offhanded statement about how she just read through the Bible every year, cover to cover. And that, that really changed her life, you know, but it was really, it was like two sentences, just kind of a throwaway statement in one of her books. And I, it was one of those moments, I don't know if you guys listening have had this, where you think like the heavens open, <laughs> it was like this epiphany of, I could read the Bible, the whole thing. Cause she said, well, just takes, you know, it's four chapters a day. You read through the Bible four chapters a day. And I remember thinking I can read four chapters a day. Like, and I remember thinking at 18, if I just did that one thing in my ordinary life every day, then I would know God's word. I would know what he's like. And it seemed I'm, I'm sort of a, my temperament is I'm not, I'm not, uh, extraordinary at anything, <laughs> but I can plod. I'm like, that's my spiritual gift. I can plod along. Mm -hmm. Um, I can do the same thing every day for a thousand days. Um, and so I thought if I just did that and in my mind back then, you know, I was 18, I was thinking if God even, you know, graciously gave me who, however many years of life, I could read through the scriptures 50, 60 times. Well, yeah. And how would that change my life? And so 
I'm 40 now, so I'm in my 22nd time um, wow. reading through the scriptures. And, and, and when I say that again, it's not like, I think you hear my heart, like it's not this thing of like, check up, you know, trying to become an awesome Christian, but, but God's word has mm-hmm. been a part of my daily mundane life longer mm-hmm. than my husband, longer than my children, longer than any church, longer mm-hmm. than any other single influence. God's word has shaped. And so where I'm going with that is, again, I I feel like it sounds like kind of a cliche answer, but I mean it when I say that, you know, whether we're home or life is different or whatever that is, having that daily time of allowing God's word to shape my mind and my heart, my thoughts, and to reinterpret current events based on what God's word is telling me Mm. by far is the number one thing for me. And so, you know, I feel like if anybody listening is struggling, like we all are, I mean, I just, at at least this is a hard season, making 2020 the year that you begin reading through all of God's word. Yeah. And, and, and side note, sorry, I'm just gonna, ah, I feel like I'm talking too much already. But, But one thing that has helped for years, I just read straight through cover to cover Genesis to Revelation, um, which is fine, but there are some rough uh, days in there <laughs> when you're only in Leviticus or, you know, you're only in the minor prophets and you're like weeping and writhing, just waiting for a savior. Um, now I do three chapters in the old Testament, one in the new every day, which is very easy for me to keep track of. I don't like complicated things. Um, but it, it means that every day I get some new covenant, which yes, please. I, yeah. I need Jesus every single day. So that has definitely, as I've interacted with people over the years, that um, I think has helped even success-wise in staying the course with scripture reading. So that's one thing that has really helped during quarantine is just staying in God's word. I I, I know, Kurt, you got the next question, but I have to say this. I have to interject. Okay. I, I don't know if you know, but at the end of a podcast, I give a, a word and I do pray about it. Um, yeah. And to see, and I just, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to give the word now, but I am just going to say, God loves you so much, Kari, because the word that he has given me, I didn't know this. I didn't know what you were just going to say. I'm not going to blow it now, but, <laughs> but um, I, you're going to hear it at the end. And I'm blown away about uh, where he has sent me to for this word, what he has said because he is going, he is acknowledging exactly what you just said and exactly what you have, um, been doing. And I would never have known that. And this being like what you've been doing for 22 something years, it's, it's really incredible. I, I'm already feeling so blessed by this. And so sorry, Kurt, <laughs> I know you got the next question, but I can't hold on. I couldn't not say that. Right now. Okay. It's so great. I, uh, I, I think one of the things that has always um, been something that I look to you and I read your blog often is this connection you have or this revelation that you had that there is this uh, connection between the sacred and the ordinary mm. life. And oftentimes yeah. we separate that. And the question that I had was, why do you think we as believers separate those two and how mm. do we begin to integrate them again? Great question. Um, you know, I think the sacred secular duality, if you will, and A.W. Tozer talks about this pretty explicitly in his um, Pursuit of God, talks about the sacred secular duality um, and our, our tendency to see parts of life, you know, as we're saying, as sacred 
um, and other parts as secular and, and clearly from the scriptures, I mean, that just, that isn't the reality, you know, and, um, the Dutch theologian I have his quote in here, Abraham Kuyper said, there is not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ who is sovereign over all does not cry mine. And I just of thinking of, of Jesus over all of us saying mine, this is all mine. And, and, you know, I, I really, I don't have any sort of <laughs> profound insight into why we do this other than I do think that it, in some ways lets us off the hook if we can if we can sort of put jesus eyes only on this part portion of our life then that means that this other portion of our life we can still live for ourselves and again i mean i only know my own human heart and its darkness so I'm not prescribing this on anyone else but i know that there are many times that i feel tired of letting jesus into all of my life I'm just honest. Like there are parts that I just think, you know what? I would just love vacation. Peace out from this whole holiness, following Jesus, obedience, taking up the cross thing. Um, can I just tap out for a little bit and just do what the world is doing? Mm -hmm. Um, because it, it offers this alluring <laughs> temptation to live for myself. And, um, I mean, that just, it, it doesn't go away. I don't think <laughs> at least it hasn't for me. And so I think it's easier if we can separate, okay, this is my work life, or this is my sports life, or this is my separate life. And then I can go to church and do my churchy thing. I think for us, it, it does sort of let us off the hook and gives us a, an opportunity to, the bottom line is still kind of live for ourselves. And the, the sad thing about that is, you know, then we miss out because we miss out on interacting with the most glorious being in the universe for 75% of our day. And the other, the other thing I, I do think that it does to us is I think it can cause a lot of frustration and, and I, uh, be careful how I dance around this, but I've, I've talked to people who, um, I think that sometimes even as church leaders, which I am, we can present ministry as only things that are done inside the church walls or um, under the name of our church, et cetera. And so those who have very full lives <laughs> working and raising children and being involved in different things, that can feel really frustrating because it feels like I don't have any time for God. I'm sorry, air quotes here. You, you know, I don't have any time for God. I don't have any time to serve God. When what I wish is we could just communicate the freedom of everything done in the name of Christ and in the spirit, you know, in carrying out the gospel to the corners of the world that aren't even necessarily under the umbrella of our church, you know, that is, that is good gospel work. Um, so I, I think it's I think it's freeing, it's liberating to recognize Jesus in all of those areas, even if it is hard sometimes to want to bring him in. And that's just my personal experience. It's like, oh, do I really have to let Jesus into this closet of my life? Like it's a mess. And you know, do I have to let Jesus, you know, just talking going the extreme, do I have to let Jesus into my eating and spending habits? You know, do I have to let Jesus into my 
purity and marriage intimacy issues? Like, do I have to let Jesus into my computer? I mean, we're, yeah. you know, if he comes in there, he's going to have something to say about it. And that's so good. Yeah. I <laughs> so often I'm like, I don't want to hear what you have to say. So that's just me. But I think that can be a challenge. Uh, it's not just you, Kari. It's it's uh, probably, I mean, it's. I, I knew this podcast wasn't just going to be for the listeners. I knew it was going to be for Kurt and I. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not just, I know, Kurt, you're, you're getting stuff out of this. I am. Because, um, yes, but when he does come in there and have something to say about it, it is meant to, to, to bring us to some, to a freer place. So yes. when, when we do let him in and when you have let him in, um, Kari, like, what have you felt other than like the freedom? Cause you've talked about that. What else have you experienced from God during these times, during those times, something that can give us, cause it's hard work to plug in. And you had mentioned, if I let him clean out one closet, well, sometimes we have to go back and let him clean out that same closet again. Yeah. And, and that's really hard. Cause you're like, well, Lord, you already cleaned it out once. And so maybe yeah. I'm just good forever. Like I'm just, we've got this. And then you know, kind of life happens and you're like, wow, that closet just got really dirty again. But yeah. so what, what hope or what can you say yeah. from experience that God has, has provided you? Um, I think one thing I was actually just telling a friend about it um, last week, a friend who was discouraged, um, you know, God bringing to the surface some, some pretty big areas of brokenness and, and, and the, the, the twisted thought, you know, I think, and for myself too, is that, you know, God's bringing this up because he's ashamed of me and because I'm a failure and because I'm broken and all of these things. And the truth is, and it's a, it's a silly line, but I heard it a decade ago by Beth Moore. And she just said, you know, if God brings a sin in uh, one of our sins in front of our face, it's not because he wants to rub our face in it. It's because he wants us to kiss it goodbye. Um, and, you know, again, it's a silly phrase, but, but if I, if there was one thing, I was just telling somebody this the other day, they were saying, if you could tell the world one thing and they would believe it, what would it be? And I said, it would be, I want the world to believe that God is good. Mm -hmm. And I feel like if we knew that God was good, then when he brought up those things, we would be convinced that it was for our good. And, and that's been my experience is when he does bring those things up and he takes me back into the closet or he surfaces another thing, I have to believe there's better life on the other side of this. There's more freedom on the other side of this. And, um, you know, in my, in my personal experience, things that stand out to me are different relationships that have been really hurtful and, you know, him, him going, okay, we're going to go back to this relationship because you're going to forgive again and you're going to do this again. And, and me, you know, I, I mentioned in the book that the sanctif perhaps the most sanctifying word in the English language is the word again. Mm. And so we obey God and then we get up the next morning and he says, again, you know, like I just did that. <laughs> he says, do it again. And so those times when I feel like he keeps returning me to the same forgiveness or the same relationship or that same thing, um, reminding myself there, he's so good. He loves me. And, and I have seen, I, I just, you know, again, vague, but let's say in the last year had an opportunity to have some interactions where I realized, Oh, 
I'm not hurt like I used to be. Yeah. That doesn't like, oh, I have an interaction. I didn't come home and cry. <laughs> like, I was like, oh, oh, like I'm free, you know? And you don't, no one in the moment knows it, but inside you're like, oh my goodness, like Jesus, we did it. You know, <laughs> we made it through. <laughs> I'm not defensive. I'm not upset, you know? And um, those kind of victories are just so life-giving and um, and you yeah. know, as a mom, I, I, I <laughs> my other funny little thing, I'm always telling Jeff, Jeff, I'm like, we need more moms to run the, run the country <laughs> because I learned so much from my children, but my heart for my kids, you know, I don't discipline them. I don't bring up their issues because I hate them it's because I love them and I want them to be free. And so remembering that with my father, my heavenly father, um, helps me to not get discouraged. You know, just like scripture says in Hebrews, don't get discouraged under the discipline of the Lord It's mm -hmm. because he loves me and he's so good. So, um, keeping that, I feel like at least helps some in the moment when it feels painful. Hey, Kari, one thing that I've been thinking a lot about and, and actually Liz has been part of these conversations a lot is what does the future of the church look like? And the future of the church really is a bunch of us as individuals coming together and, yeah. and, and the church is an active being, not yeah. a place. And yeah. so as we're not allowed to necessarily meet as we normally have been in yeah. a place, it's now yeah. really helping me to think through what is the future of the church look like? And one of the clear signs that I'm getting is that the future of the church is going to look a lot like the way the church has always been and, and looked back yeah. in the past. And yeah. I think spiritual discipline is something that is going to be a big piece for us yeah. as individuals. You talked a little bit about reading your Bible and getting that habit in, in but I look to you and Jeff as examples. I love mm -hmm. to get time with you all. Um, what are some ordinary things or some practices that you've implemented yeah. in your, uh, maybe it's relationship in your own personal life or in your family to grow yeah. deeper in faith that might be practical for people listening to this podcast? Yeah. The thing that comes to mind that kind of seems a little weird, <laughs> um, but we're, we're really cautious about amusement. Mm. Um, and I know I, f I feel like I, I, you know, I don't want to, you take that a lot of different directions, but, um, you know, to amuse means to not muse. So that's where that word comes from, right. Is to uh, sort of distract ourselves, um, from, maybe the weightier things at hand in order to divert our attention to entertainment or whatever that is. And, you know, I think there's a, a, a certainly a place, lots of places for joy and levity and celebration. And especially with the people of God, C.S. Lewis has some great words on that too, um, about making merry with um, the people of God. But we've always been pretty cautious about not filling our free time with amusement. And I think there's a lot today, we focus a lot on being cautious about screens. We just use the word screens a lot, yeah. and which is fine. Um, but, you know, obviously a screen is actually neutral. We're on a screen right now and we're talking about God. <laughs> this is very edifying, and at least to me, and encouraging to me. Um, so, so we use that word sort of, you know, screen time. But I think the danger is really amusement. Um, 
And we have so many opportunities in our culture right now to fill up every spare moment with diversions and amusement um, in the palm of our hand, you know, yes, via screen, through all sorts of things. And, and the danger, I think, is simply that it steals away time when we could be thinking deeply and engaging with God and having conversations. Um, so that's sort of a, you know, I, I, I joke about we've been homeschooling, you know, Dutch is eighth grade. So we've been homeschooling for nine years, whatever. And I think there's so many great ways to educate your children. By the way, let me just put that out there. I don't think there's one right way. I just want to always say that. I'm like, just because we do that, it's not because it's the only right way. Um, but I think, you know, people say, what do you think is a, a secret to great education or whatever? And, and lots of it, I just think is, is being really cautious about what amusements and distractions we allow into children's lives. Because our default, my default, is just to go the route that's easiest. I mean, I just want to shut off my brain and just, you know, watch another cat video or whatever it is. And, um, and to make it a habit to not do that, I do think forces us to engage mm -hmm. with each other and with God in daily life. So that's kind of a, an odd answer maybe to your question, but it comes to mind. I do think that has been um, a pretty strong force. We've been married 17 years in our marriage. I love that. I love that answer, Kari, because you talked about the heavenly father. Well, we talked about our kids and amusement, but that's just as practical for us as Absolutely. children of God. And so for me, that's where I find myself. If you really did an audit of your time and you oh. say you don't have time for things. <laughs> so embarrassing. <laughs> Maybe that two and a half hours of watching The Office, you know, uh, on Netflix might have been a time where you could have you could have done something more productive. Now, that being said, there are times to relax. There are times Absolutely. to find rest. There are times for, yeah. like you said, amusement. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's when it becomes uh, that tipping point that it gets yeah. in distraction of meaningful things, yeah. relationships or relationship with God that you have to really do an audit of what that mm -hmm. looks like in your life. So I think yeah. it's practical for kids, but I, I think you, you nailed that question in that it's something mm -hmm. that is not just something that we can do as a one more thing to check off the box, but it's something yeah. to look for the little red, yellow, or green light in our heart of what yeah. we're doing. So yeah. I love that. I think too, uh, just uh, to piggyback really quick on that, something else that came to mind was, um, and this, this has been a sweet opportunity with, the COVID pandemic is more time outside because there's something even um, there's a, there's a book out there called the common rule. Um, but identifying even like exactly what you're saying, how we relax and how we recreate, how we restore our souls. Um, you know, I've noticed that when I rest and relax with my family outdoors, there's just a, there's a, there's a quality about it that truly refreshes my spirit in God, you know, in a way that maybe some other things that I tend to pick up all too readily don't. And so, um, yeah, so just piggybacking on what you said, even just taking a little bit of time to evaluate, how do I restore my soul, um, in ways that truly bring life and, and I, I have found even, um, I garden, which I'm not very good at, but I, 
repeatedly do. Um, but I, I feel like I hear from God more when I'm gardening <laughs> than almost anywhere else. And there's something about being out in, in nature and I say sometimes in our, in different retreats, you know, that the whole world is God's th- theological illustration. So I believe that the God created the world the way it is because he's illustrating theology to us. So when I go out into nature, I frequently feel like I see these things that are truth and life. And um, yeah, so anyway, no more soapbox about amusement, but I find that being out in, in, in nature and interacting um, with nature is helps with that too. Yeah. I, I think you're onto something and I think, uh, leading into this next question that we have, and, and also because we're, you know, now we're going to be leading into, um, a colder season. Yeah. Um, and, and Kurt and I were saying before we started this, that we might be feeling just now a little bit worn down from all that's yeah. going on. Oh yeah. And potentially some, you know, boredom has, has maybe has been there for a while, but now it's really having, it's taking its toll on people's lives and, and just the, the mundane of it all. And so I, do you address this, um, in your book or do you have any new ideas or fresh ideas of what God is showing you about maybe how to approach this upcoming season that we're going to be indoors and worn out from this past season? Man, I wish I had some. <laughs> I know. To say. I, you know, just just for for the sake of honesty, I mean, I just it, it has been a very discouraging. It's a hard season. It's a hard season to lead through. Um, I, you know, I've told Jeff a couple times during this this whole thing, I'm ready to run away. I just want to run away from leadership. There's no way to win, really. I mean, I just feel like there's a lot of really difficult. Um, situations. And so, um, and I think as I, as I talk to people and I, and I'm sharing this because I do think it's helpful to identify, I think that we all are collectively grieving, yeah, grieving life as it was and that that's okay because grief, it's okay to grieve something that was lost. Um, and even though we believe God's doing great things, I do, I think he's reshaping his church. I think he's birthing all sorts of awesome things right now. Um, it's still okay to grieve what the way life used to be. I mean, I find myself saying, you know, in February, I had no idea that it was going to be like this, you know, we just had no idea. So honestly, honestly grieving, but, um, I think going into the, the dark season really, I mean, I sound like a broken record, but I think those things that we just talked about, you know, sort of reevaluating, how do we do family time and how do I interact with God and how, you know, we, we, uh, as a family, when the kids were little, we read through the little house, you know, books anyway. And, um, and one of the things that stood out to me though, was just how they spent their evenings Mm -hmm. and they didn't have any electricity. Pa played the fiddle. And they sang songs. I mean, they just sang songs. I'm like, okay, I guess, you know. And then my kids and I just finished rereading The Hiding Place. Um, Very applicable right now. And same thing. So in the evenings, they had no electricity. There was, you know, the the Germans had a curfew of 7 p.m. for them. They couldn't leave. They've got this house full of people that they've got to hide. And it was so profoundly encouraging to me to hear of 11 of them stuck in a little tiny house with no freedom and no TV and no even good food. I mean, like no snacks, you know, and 
to hear the things and, and it, it shares about, you know, Betsy and how magical she was reading these Shakespearean plays and they would act things out and they would sing songs and, um, and, and, you know, it, it might sound silly to us, but I do think rediscovering literature and rediscovering conversation, rediscovering some of those lost arts that people engaged in for most of human history. Um, and then also, you know, rain jackets for those of us in the Pacific Northwest. It's like, we're just going to have to we're just going to have to pull out the umbrellas and buck up and go outside <laughs> even when it's miserable. So um, I, I went ahead and bought my kids new boots and coats for the winter, just knowing we're going to have to just yeah. toughen up a little bit <laughs> and just be outside. <laughs> anyway, a silly answer, but I think in no. some ways, like we're just, we're going to have to relearn life giving ways of, yes. of community together. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. And I, I never, I do not watch the news much and I'm really not involved in all of yeah. the up-to-date stuff. I'm kind of like, you were really censor what, what we have yeah. going on in our house amusement wise. But, but the things that I have caught on to just that maybe social media is being questioned and, mm-hmm. and there's so much information out there and what yeah. do we put in our minds? Is it even, yeah. is it even real? Is it even right? Yeah. I think God is, I, I pray that God uses this, this kind of maybe wake up call for those who are interested to be like, Hey, you know what? Maybe going back to the little house in the prairie days is exactly <laughs> what is right. best for family. Yeah. So I love that answer. I think yeah. it's, I think it's honest. I think it's real. And I, and I don't think it's, we're going back, but I think it's, that would be the way going forward. I love that. I love that. Yeah. I think you're, you're, you're really onto something um, with, and especially, I know not everyone listening, you know, we don't all have kids. We're not in that season or whatever, but the, the really being cautious about how much news intake. Yeah. I just, I can't underscore enough. I so agree and think that's crucial, um, for our hearts, for our spirits. It's not that we're putting our heads in the sand in any way, but being, especially with children, careful about how much we're letting seep into our homes and, um, Yeah. So sorry. Just wanted to say, amen. (laughs) So one last question last, I guess it was a couple of years ago, Meg and I and Marty and Marcy were able to come down uh, to renew church and we're part of redeemed church, but we're one body, right? Amen. Uh, As a church. And so we loved worshiping with you guys down Mm. in Portland and we love what you're doing at renew church. And I know this is a tough season, like you said, to be leaders and you're worn down. But can you tell us and just share a little bit of the story? Because I think it'd be really interesting for our community on the model of how you're doing church down there. Maybe a little bit about your story of doing church and how you're maintaining community during this time, not only from the pandemic, but also you were right in the heart of the wildfires as well. And I know that was a a challenge for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, uh, again, it sounds super lame. I, I feel like God has been so gracious to us with the church plant. Um, because we would never say, this is how you plant a church. (laughs) Um, Don't do it how we did it, but God is just so gracious. Um, We really, it was just, we felt like we were supposed to do this and um, circumstances had it that we was a a different neighborhood than we were living in before, a little um, different demographic, lower income. And, um, and we just felt like that's where we were supposed to be. And so uh, we started having barbecues in our backyard. That's how the church started. And 
Um, we just fed people and we had no musicians. <laughs> Music was unbelievably painful at the beginning. Neither, we don't, neither of us sing. Um, and so just trying to acapella, I mean, just, I look back and I'm like everything that they would say, like, don't do this. We did. I mean, we had no money. We had no income. I mean, I look back and I'm like, what was I thinking? Um, but God, you know, his, his faithfulness, we only went one month without any income. Um, you know, we were, we were technically below poverty level for quite a few years, but like God had so graciously, you know, that was, we had been partnering with world vision back then and, um, still are, but anyway, we had anyway, had a, had a bunch of adventure of sort of changing our lifestyle. And so we were prepared to, um, to go that route and really, you know, Jeff's, Jeff's, uh, passion and, and model for the church was just relational discipleship. Um, you know, we didn't have a kickoff. We didn't even send out flyers. We didn't, nothing was, nothing was professional. Again, we didn't have any musicians. Um, but I think the model from the start was we will love you. And if you're willing, you know, Jeff would say, this is not a cruise ship. This is a whitewater raft. And if you're willing to get in the raft, like we will be your team to the end. Like we're your people if you're willing to forego the cruise ship and you're willing to get on the whitewater raft, like we're your people. And, um, the first year was really, really painful. I mean, I think I cried every Sunday night. I just, it was, you know, I, <laughs> I would tell Jeff, like who invited these people? <laughs> it's like, you know, you don't get to pick. And when it's that small, you just got to love them all. It's not like you can just go with your little click over to the, the one side, you know? No, I was like, who are these people and why are they here? Um, and I write about that in Sacred Mundane, just my brokenness, recognizing that mm. I remember just crying out to God, like from the pit of my heart and just saying, you have to help me love. I mm. cannot love without your heart. And so um, we've had a lot of different twists and turns and God is graciously, you know, now there's six elders leading. So they, they lead, Jeff is uh vocational. He's the only vocational one, but they, they lead in plurality of, of leadership, um, which makes decisions go slow. <laughs> you know, they met last night and I'm like, what'd you decide? He's like, that we're going to talk again about it next week. I'm like, okay. <laughs> you know, I mean, you don't go real quick. Um, there's a, a very diverse, uh, spread of convictions even about the season that we're in. Um, and I was just writing about this, you know, there's times that I, I just, I think I would love to just retreat to my corner of people who think just like me and it would just be so much easier, but I am grateful to have a wide variety. Um, so in terms of, in terms of, you know, what would be our, our core values, I, I think just, um, seeking to not make church to, um, professional where there's the, you know, there's the professional people who put on a show and then everyone else comes and watches. Um, and you know, at times it, I can, I can wish for that because <laughs> I think it, uh, makes, would make it less messy. Um, you know, there are times I think newcomers come and I'm like, oh, we're so unprofessional. We're so disorganized or we're so, you know, just like, they'll never come back, you know, and they'll come back and go, I just felt so loved. And I'm like, okay, well, good, because oh, that's all we got to offer you. Um, so that's been the model. And then now during, um, during 
all of this COVID season, um, we've been doing house churches. Mm -hmm. So that's very different. Um, I, there, I think, again, I feel like I'm constantly saying this, but I think there's a lot of great ways to do church during all of this. So there's not one right way, but um, so we have pretty small congregation. So about 130, maybe 140. Um, but so we are meeting as house churches over the summer because the weather was nice. We did four, so about once a month, we did four outdoor space gatherings under 50 because that's our current Oregon standards. Um, and now it's raining. So hence the elders meeting to determine <laughs> next steps. Um, but this, but the, the, the constant has been the house churches and, um, that has been good. I mean, challenging, I think before all of this, just, I'll just being honest. Um, you know, I read about house church model had really ideal ideas about it you know oh, it just sounds amazing that's how the early church did it I bet it's just perfect and fun all the time and no you know there's all sorts of other challenges um with that sort of a a meeting and um but it has been good and I think that um it has it has forced way more people to step up and serve in different capacities um mm -hmm than before. So, um, all that to say that I think this season is forcing us to, like you said, Kurt, really rethink what is the church going forward. And, um, it has been good, but painful. I mean, I, that's the only way I know how to, how to say it is, um, I miss, I miss, what we used to have, you know, I miss part of the thing with house churches is that none of us leaders get to see each other weekly and they're my best friends. I mean, those are the people it's like, I take a bullet for you and I don't get to see you very much anymore. And then I remind myself, well, church isn't about me seeing, you know, so-and-so um, it's about the kingdom. So I, I, I'm, I'm just blabbering, but it, it's just, I think that there's, there's beautiful things that we're gaining. Um, but there's grief too, because you know, we miss, we miss the way things used to be. So, um, we're growing right alongside you again. We, we don't really know what we're doing, but we're trying to, I, this picture, I was just praying earlier today, praying for the elders and leaders and wisdom and all this kind of stuff. And I just saw this picture of myself as a child, just like lifting my arms up to God. And I was like, just pick me up, please. Like, we just need you to pick us up and put us where we need to be because this cultural moment is confusing and we want to be who you want us to be in it. And so can you just pick us up and put us right where you need us to be? So that's my prayer. Yes. I love that. And I will say that I, when I came, I felt loved. Um, oh, God, good. <laughs> something that was clearly a mark of your church uh, to the, to the fact of just, you know, Jeff is, so hospitable in general. Oh. It's like, you know, it just makes sure everything's good coming and checking <laughs> in on us. And it's like, Jeff, bro, you got to go preach here and like go back <laughs> up there. Um, but uh, it's, a, it's a great community. And I think if anybody's listening to this, I know it's such a weird season because it's not like a place where you can really plug into a church. But if you have yeah. friends or family down in Portland mm -hmm. uh, that may have, especially church hurt, hurt Renew is mm -hmm. just such a great place mm -hmm. to, to get reignited and re um, plugged into a Christian community that it's really come as you are and there's no real uh, 
production or lights, or, <laughs> <Yeah>. you know, <laughs> anything yeah. like that, but just, True. just a place where you can find that, that healing. Mm, so, yeah. Hey, Kari, one more question before Liz gives her a uh, word. I just want to make mm-hmm. sure that people know you, uh, are a writer, uh, now officially a podcaster, uh, and, um, and so you have a book and blog, but where can they find you and how can they get connected? Yeah, thank you. Um, just my name is the easiest way. My site is just kariepatterson.com. All of my social media is kariepatterson.com. The podcast is Kari Patterson. Um, I'm really original with all my, <laughs> um, yeah, so the, my book's on Amazon and you can get it anywhere. Um, 100% of the proceeds of my proceeds from the book go to World Vision. So for women and children in need there. So 100% of that. Um, but yeah, just my name, easiest way to connect anywhere. Awesome. So yes, please go follow her, subscribe to her podcast and share it with someone. It's um, a lot of wisdom. I love listening to the podcast and I love reading the blog. So thanks, Kari. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, Corey, I actually grew up in a Vancouver, Portland area. And so if anyone uh, from high school or is listening, go <laughs> out the new church. That's awesome. Um, okay. So I do have a, I do have a word. And like I said, I prayed about it and um, God actually for the first, I felt like not for the first time, but yeah, maybe for the first time, give me a monologue. So mm. can I just read pretty much what I, what he said? And then I, afterwards I, I prayed for um, a verse and and I, and I, and God speaks to people in different ways. And for me, it's kind of, I feel like sort of short and choppy. <laughs> so maybe that's how I speak. I don't know. But um, this is how it kind of started out. I was reminded of the verse in the beginning, God created. So God saying, I'm there in the beginning. And I hear him. I feel like I hear him say, we've come a long way. Um, the road is narrow and, but I'm there in the ditches. Stand firm. Stay in the word to see the light. Uh, then I feel like I heard this is prime time uh, for the opportunity for someone, something to come in and fix it because so much is wrong and broken. But I am just as I was in the beginning, I create the beginning. I am in the end and I will be in the end of this, whatever is going on for all of us. And I, I hear first John and I, I say this almost every time. I know I don't know my Bible probably like you do, like re- reading it front to back, where I like know exactly what I'm going to read in. Let's say First John. I, I have an idea, but I, when he said First John, I I go to First John and right away that you know it's broken up into the first chapter is broken up into a couple sections, and the first section is the Word of Life and then walking in the light, mm-hmm. and so. I, I'm reading that and I am hearing God is light, stay in the word, stay in the light. And then based on kind of what you, I know is in your book, I'm in the mundane things, but you can always find me in the word. Hmm. And so I would just like to read um, this a little bit. Um, and it, so it's, it's first John, uh, the word of life, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest and we have seen it and to testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the father and was made manifest to us. So they have seen God. They've touched Jesus. We have seen and heard and we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed our fellowship is with the father and with his son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that your joy may be complete. But then it goes on to say, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. 
if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And I, I love this word because I, I feel like it honors what you've been doing, reading the word for so long. And that this is where our truth comes from. This is what we do when we, this is what we do to amuse ourselves. This is what we do when we're bored, when we're tired, when we're worn out. I think he is saying, go back to the word. You're going to find truth there. You're going to find the light there. You're going to find it's, you know, I, I, I kind of heard you say this a couple times too. And that's what Kurt and I were saying. This is a painful, we're in a painful spot right now. We're yeah. grieving and we're mourning. And I, I feel like God is, is recognizing that when he's saying the road is really narrow, yeah, yeah. but he's there in the ditches. And yeah. I, I just feel really encouraged for myself to hear what you had to say and really encouraged to hear, you know, God has never, God speaks to you, but it's like kind of like short one-liners. And so for this whole monologue thing, I think it's really a depiction of how he feels for you mm -hmm. and, um, and what you have poured your, what you have poured out to tell people. And, um, so just thank you for what you were thank doing you. and thank you for encouraging people to go to the word that this is the time where people I think are looking for answers. And I just think God is saying, just go to the book. Yeah. Just, yeah just, you know, come to me. So yeah. anyway, that's what Thank I'm you. <laughs> Thank you so much. I wish I could hug you. <laughs> I'm a hugger. Oh this is a hard season for huggers. <laughs> Thank you. I receive. For those that are listening to the podcast, there was a social distance Zoom hug that just happened. So that's exciting. <laughs> hey, Kari, thanks so much for joining us on Thank this podcast. Uh, like I said, go check out Kari's uh, work and you'll be encouraged by it. And uh, bless you, Kari. Bless Renew Church. Thank you. Uh, say hi to Jeff. And uh, I will. We'll be, back, uh, we'll be back with another Redeemed Midweek podcast. Thanks. <laughs>